What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of SSPN Position Breakdowns, Ethan. And this is the first one that we were actually like, there was a reason to put all three on the thumbnail. I know technically Julian Champagny is a restricted free agent, just like a lot of guys that we could potentially bring to training, uh, training camp this year. But him and Mamu have been in some posts and they're both restricted free agents, you know, working out in the Spurs facilities and stuff. And especially as we'll get into in this episode, when you consider the way that Champagny played in, in the games that he played with the actual Spurs this season, um, it seems like he has a pretty good argument for a roster spot. But before we get into all of that, Ethan, let's just do uh, an overall look at the at the small forward position. Give me your thoughts. I think it's a strong position. We have a little bit of everything. We have some some youth with, along with some experience in Doug McDermott. Keldon Johnson's become our highest scorer, average 22 points per game. Um, obviously, there are room for improvement for all three of them. Uh, but yeah. I don't think there's necessarily like a huge gaping hole where it's like, okay, we got to go out and find a backup small forward. We got to find a our future small forward. Like, I think it's a pretty solid position. Yeah, I agree. I think really when you, when you think about all the positions on the roster, um, other than maybe, you know, you could say power forward slash center, depending on what Victor ends up playing, yeah. um, you know, at least in comparison to, to point guard, I know that shooting guard feels pretty set. Maybe there's a yeah. little bit of questions as if Malachi moves to point. We already talked about all that, but like in, in point guard, it's like, okay, Really, we're not sure other than Trey Jones, like who for sure is going to be the other part in the rotation for this one. It's like, OK, we kind of already feel like we know who the three guys are going to be. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe they're, if the Spurs end up making like a big move on draft night or in free agency, which is, un, you know, unlike them, mm-hmm. um, maybe that could change this. But just as of right now, which is the point of these whole things, uh, it feels like Keldon Johnson, Doug McDermott and Julian Champagny is a pretty good foundation. And and especially when you consider, Ethan, looking forward, that this is the last year of Doug's contract, and him and Champagny's play style is, is so similar. Um, I think I might have mentioned this in another podcast we've done, but it really feels like, granted a small sample size, but still, it, it really feels like he could be the hair to Doug um, after this season. For sure, for sure. And we'll see what happens at the trade deadline, because that's another thing to be watching is for Doug McDermott to be moved. Yep. Yep. 13 million last year on his contract. So, and, and, you know, can always help whatever team he's on that that's definitely a potential uh, trade deadline target. But at the same time, how often do we get a veteran that wants to be in San Antonio? And when you got Victor Wimbanyama becoming of age, it's kind of nice to have a guy out there that can just space the floor and be a, a sharpshooter. So who knows? I wouldn't be upset either way. Yeah. I think we've talked a little about a bit in some other episodes about maybe, you know, just with their play styles being so similar one injuries are going to happen. So that's both of them will probably get some minutes there. You know, we talked about in the shooting guards breakdown that Champagny can play the two as well. Um, But also it could just be a thing where depending on who's hot that night, you know, they can really switch those guys in and out. 1000%, 1000%. I know some people criticized or not criticized, but said Doug McDermott's off ball movement was just world-class better than Champagne, and I don't know if it's world class. I mean, I would say better, obviously, because he's got some veteran savvy, and that's what he's been doing. His so much career. more experience. Champagne's yeah. a rookie, but I still saw some some glimpses of Champagne being a high IQ player that knows when to cut, when to fade to the to the corner, those kind of things. They are very similar in their play style. And the thing that I love about Champagne the most, I know I'm kind of jumping into this, You're is good. his confidence level was already you know 
out of 10 when he came in you know, and actually played meaningful minutes with the Spurs. Like I didn't yeah. expect that at all. I remember like his first game, we were like, oh, he's getting some, some garbage minutes here. Like, like, ah, whatever. But he came in and he, and he let it fly and he wasn't just hitting threes. He can, has like a little in between game. He can pull up yep. and surprisingly athletic, get a couple good finishes this year. I'm really glad you mentioned the athleticism because later on in the year, he started to have some higher rebound games as well. I believe in the Austin game, as well as the last game against the Mavericks, obviously those in and, and the Austin game I'm referring to is the Portland, not, not Minnesota. Those are obviously two games that are really easy to pick because mm-hmm. the Blazers weren't playing their top guys and neither were the Mavericks. So that's key context, but still, I mean, even in the, the short minutes he played, he averaged a rebound more than Doug did. Doug had 2.2 Champagne only had 3.5. But like I said, as the season progressed, it wasn't just those two games. Those do stick out in my brain, but you know, during those, that stretch late in the season when he played, he got more rebounds as well. Um, just a little bit more of a physical frame, obviously still not somebody who's gonna, you know, impose anything on anybody. But when you compare him to Doug, he's just a little bit more stout. For sure. And maybe has a higher ceiling defensively. Right, right. And then when you factor in shot 40.2% from three this year, Doug had 41.3. That's why I'm saying I feel like they're kind of they're going to interchange him. And then after this season, if Champagny continues to play the way that he did at the end of the year, he'll just kind of end up taking that spot. And another thing when you talked about his confidence, I know a lot of y'all are probably like, why haven't they talked about Keldon yet? But it's just like Champagny and, and McDermott are very similar. So we yeah. might as well kind of just get him out of the way. Um, and now because I said that, I kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, Something about Keldon. Why haven't they talked about Keldon? It was before that. Talking about his confidence level. Oh, yes. that There, there you go. go. So like you said, when he came in and he was just shooting, you know, I, I mentioned this in some other post games throughout the season, but the way that he played – with the Delaware Blue Coats. And if you go watch any of his G League tape early, you know, in, in the season when he was playing for Philadelphia's G League team, um, he had multiple 35 plus point games, like four of them. And they all are literally the same way. Like if you go watch the tape in the Moody Center where he had 26 points, I mean, it, they, they look so similar because it's just driving to the basket with good off ball movement on a good cut, getting an easy layup. Like you said, I, I understand people saying Doug's off ball movement is better than Champagny's right now. That's just, I mean, when you compare somebody like Doug McDermott, who's been in the league for forever to a rookie, it's like, yes, he's going to be better than him. Um, But uh, still, you know, showed a lot of flashes with that and then just pull up threes, man, with people's Mm -hmm. faces. I've, I've mentioned, you know, I've gone on so many rants about when I was at that Moody center game and I really saw it firsthand with some pretty good seats. Um, You know, I I just, I love his confidence. That's a great, and, and I love that it's translated from the G League to the NBA in the small sample size we've seen. The big asterisk, I would say, with Champagny is the level of competition and that he only played 17 games this season. I still think it's going to translate because of all the stuff that I just said, but, you know, just to have a counter argument and, you know, cover all the bases, that's yeah. something to keep in mind. Yeah, we, I mean, still bring it down to earth, you're right, it's only 17 games. And also, there was like a couple games where, so he had like a really good game, and then the next couple games he didn't play with Keldon, yeah. Devin, Zach, like everybody was hurt except yep. for him. And he really stunk it up as far as, you know, the box score is concerned. He couldn't get a shot to fall. And that's kind of to be expected. Um, but we're not we're not up here saying that he's going to be a world changer and somebody we're going to build around. We're just saying he's a really solid piece to watch for at that backup spot well, alongside Doug. 
Yeah, especially moving forward. And then just when you consider the fact that, I mean, we got him on a two-way as a rookie, yeah. like the, the value, exactly. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the same level of steel, like in the shooting guard uh, position breakdown. We were talking about getting Malachi at 20. But mm-hmm. for where we got him, I mean, it's just like Bassey. It, it's, we, we really, we fleeced the Delaware Blue Coats, man. <laughs> for two guys. Except for Mac McClung. We left him yeah. there. But <laughs> it's all right. Now we, we got to complete it. We got to go get Champagne's brother. Kind of off topic, but let's go get, what's his name? Uh, I think it's Justin. I Justin. don't know for a fact. I don't really like, I don't think he's as good. No, he's definitely not. <laughs> but I think it'd be funny to have the, the well, champagnes. You know, now that I think about it, Ethan, we technically need, you know, I mean, I, I said in the last episode, we might, we're probably going to draft that third string shooting guard. But if it doesn't go that way, there's the, there's that spot roster spot for the yeah. other champagne. <laughs> and this is kind of, sort of off topic, but kind of not. I forgot. And we might've mentioned it before. There's mm-hmm. 18 roster spots now. Yeah. I mean, not all will be active, obviously, but I think we have a couple more is it two-way contracts. So is this like a league thing? I might have yeah, not heard about this. Yeah, it's a league thing. Because last wow. year it was 15, now it's right. 18. So and it must be two-way. I think it's a couple more two-way guys. So maybe we can get the other champagne and just put them on a two-way. Barlow's coming back, Barlow, baby. baby. We're running it back. <laughs> That's what I hear when I hear that. I hear Heck Dominic yeah. Barlow as it stands season ticket prices just went way up with that news <laughs> when barlow and wemby are in the front court oh, together man. oh my gosh dude Ooh. y'all don't he's gonna be unleashed <laughs> oh for sure dirk and tyson chandler vibes yeah it's gonna be 20 and 20 every game for sure for sure dude goes without saying oh my gosh man that, that that's so funny for those of you guys who may like not get that joke, I know a lot of y'all jumped on the channel after the Wemby lottery during the season. I, I kind of had this thing basically where I was just irrationally high on Dom Barlow just for, I don't know, just because it was overtime elite. And I just remember growing up in high school watching overtime videos and now they have a league and the Spurs are like the last team that I would have expected to go get a play, get the first player from overtime elite so shout out to Don Barlow though like if we have that many two ways I really don't mind bringing him back um at all me neither I mean he showed a couple a couple flashes there <laughs> yes. put a little put a little strength definitely a total developmental project but you know there's a reason why the Spurs gave him a two-way flyer if we're playing the Mavs we gotta play him we gotta start him because oh Luke is gonna have some Texas. Just wait until he just wait until Jabari Smith and Shankun. Oh gosh, yeah, they don't know. Shankun would eat him actually. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, well, yeah. let's talk about Kelvin. Let, yes. Now that we're ten minutes in and, and on the small forwards position breakdown, and we haven't talked about Kelvin Johnson, the Spurs' leading scorer, their highest paid player, twenty-two points, five boards, two point nine assists. Um, you know, the leader of the team throughout the season. Um, I, I know that even you and I, you know, there, there's a lot of arguments. I understand if some people believe that that Devin's a little bit better than him. I'm not mad at that. I think they're both, you know, it, it could really go either way. We'll have to see. But still, um, he was he was the guy this season, mm-hmm. if you will. And there's a lot of things that I want to get into here, Ethan. But, you know, to start off, really, there's not I don't want to get into the bad because overall it was a really good jump for him in year four. Absolutely. I think there was way more positive than there was negative. Yeah. The negative would just be nitpicking at that point because he didn't have any sort of winning team around him. Devin was hurt for most of the year. 
Trey had stretches where he was out. Jeremy Sohan had stretches where he was out. We traded Jakob Perna. We traded Josh Richardson. And he was really the only constant we could count on from almost every single night. Yeah. And not once did he sell. I don't. I can't think of a moment where I was like, oh, Keldon wasn't playing hard or he wasn't aggressive enough or he let that one go. Like yeah. He might have missed a couple shots that he should have hit. He might have right. thrown the ball once in a while. But right. he was giving it 110% yeah, effort. effort constantly vocal, constantly picking up the rest of his teammates, riling up the AT&T Center, which was a dismal place to be for the majority of the year. And the Moody Center, man. And the Moody Center. He had the Moody Center turn in the yes. Portland game. In the Port- yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, we, there's so much you could say about Keldon Johnson. I think he made a lot of improvements, too. I don't think this was like a, a oh, he's only getting stats because his team's bad. I think he definitely improved in a lot of areas. He started yeah. off incredible from three-point range i know it dropped off to the average which i think that's kind of what i was alluding to in the beginning and and i have a lot of stats on that that i want to talk to you about but i wanted to talk about the good first because there's so much more of it i'll hold off then but i I think he i know his his low post game maybe was a little inconsistent but i think he made strides as far as being able to come off screens and play big for others and he had a little bit more of a floater game or a a, a jump shot uh, in that 15 17 feet area and then finishing at the rim has always been his biggest strength you know if we need a basket give it to Keldon let him barrel to the rim and I think he improved as a finesse finisher as well because there was a time when he could only finish with strength Mm -hmm. and and he got blocked a lot or he you know he just threw it off the glass a little too hard or whatever it might be now he actually had some finger rolls off the glass some some prettier shots up and unders so he made a lot of improvements and I think defensively too yeah uh, he made a lot of improvements as well I don't like bashing Keldon. I know a lot of people want him to go to the bench or they want him to be traded. I'm no. not one of those people. I think he is a terrific off-ball player as well. Putting Put him next to Devin, put him next to Wemby and Trey. I think he's definitely a vital piece moving forward. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I think there's a reason the Spurs gave him this contract. I know people can make the argument that the contract is tradable, which I agree, but also like every contract that the Spurs give out is usually pretty conservative. Like, I mean, think about the DeJounte contract. Like all of those are tradable because they know the nature of the NBA. But I think that's just more the Spurs, you know, their culture basically allowing them to get players to do that that that's what i would attribute that to more even Kawhi didn't get a max i don't think. right right yeah he had a pretty good contract yeah yeah it was like 16 17 million kind of similar to the Dejounte one yeah um hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But yeah, I mean, uh, the other thing that, you know, I kind of forgot in this because I was looking at, you know, like in the last position breakdown, I was looking at Devin's improvement year to mm-hmm. year. And the thing I totally forgot about Kelvin, I mean, I knew this this season, but it's just and, and it's kind of easy to forget about because he's really always been this position. But this was the year where he was finally really playing the yeah. three and the two. And so people might see that the rebounds went down, but it's like, yeah, that's because that wasn't his job anymore. And, yeah. and you saw that, you know, him have five more points a game because he had 17 last year. And mm-hmm. I believe he had six rebounds last year. Um, 
and and it was funny i mean i was even looking at his playing numbers bro like his first playing game he had 11 and 11 and i was like oh man that was the demar like i just mm-hmm. keldon like it took keldon so long to really be playing where he was supposed to be playing yeah and so that i think also on top of him just developing each year i you know i think that helped a lot um you know, when it came to his percentage at the basket, obviously that wasn't really an issue in the first place, but you know, it was a little bit easier not having to be guarded by, you know, uh, if you're playing the Timberwolves, it would have been cat. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. He, and coming out, you know, of, of Kentucky, he was a, he was a really a guard slash forward. So I was glad he got to play that more this year. Um, Obviously, we saw the shooting explosion at the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm trying to think of some other good stuff to say, but really, you, you kind of summarized it all. So uh, that's where I get to this question, um, and it's the shooting fall off. Is it a concern? And, you know, Ethan, I've this whole year, I've been very, like, not worried about it. Um, and I'm still on, like, I would still say I'm more optimistic about it moving forward than I am concerned about it. But after looking at the numbers... I understand people's concern much more, like a lot of comments we've had. Um, and and just to me looking at the numbers, and I know stats aren't everything, but when I really dive into these, I think y'all will understand how it's just kind of blatantly in front of you. And that's that last, you know, last year, not this last season, but 21-22, he averaged 39.8% from three, mm-hmm. right? Almost 40%, right? So, and we remember that jump last year. And it's kind of crazy because it feels like he almost shot better this year, mm-hmm. like just when I think back on it. But that's really more concentrated in the barrage at the beginning of the season because he ended up falling to 32.9%. He still made the same amount of game at 2.1, but here's the number that I'm like, when I was reading this, I was like, okay, I, I get where everybody's kind of coming from. He dropped from 159 threes made total on 399 attempts to 134 total on 407 attempts. So that's where I can understand, you know, like mm-hmm. he took more shots and made, you know, 25 less, yeah. you know? So, so I really do get the concern there, but I, I just feel like a lot of it has to do with the mental side of things because he started so hot and this is total speculation. Y'all mm-hmm. can disagree in the comments. I understand, but I think a lot of it has to do with him starting off so hot then going through like that slump. And then it was like at the end of the season, you know, it was like the middle of the season. It was like, man, he could barely make one. And then by the end of the season, when he stopped thinking about it, and we talked about the hesitation throughout the season as well. It felt like at the beginning, beginning of the season, he was just popping it, Mm -hmm. you know, no hesitation. And then it was like, when he started missing more, he started thinking about it more. It felt like and hesitating more. Also the industry, the injuries, you know, have a lot to do with this as well. You know, when you take Devin Vassell off that team, mm-hmm. all the attention is on Kelvin, like yeah. literally all of it. So I think it's it's a combination of the circumstances, the, the, you know, the hesitation, which to me indicates a little bit of it being in his head, which would make sense if you start off the season, you know, like the best you've ever shot and then you fall off. And then, like I said, I, I felt like in the, se- you know, the end of the year, he it, it got a little bit better. You know, it wasn't as bad as it kind of was in that little slump in the middle of the season. Do you feel like that's, was that what you saw this season as well? That's completely warranted. I agree with you. And I would even add a couple more things. Um, one last year with DeJounte, he was very much a spot up shooter. And the only time he really took a three was when he Derek was, was there open. for a little bit too. Derek as well. He had, he had ball handlers that could play make for him. So he was getting wide open threes, stand and shoot. 
this year he really had the ball in his hands a lot, especially after Trey got hurt early in the year. He came back, but then Devin went down as well. Right. So now he's got the ball in his hands. He's having to play make for others, and he took a lot. And of with threes. Sohan too, like you said, he, he took a lot of threes coming off of screens. Off the he dribble, never did that before. Like that was not a part of his game, and so that definitely would have bogged down his three point percentage. And then also we were down a lot of the year. Like we were playing from behind constantly. So what do you do when you're down by 30? Right. You shoot threes, you know, even if they're ill-advised yeah. threes. So I feel like that um, coupled with what you said about his confidence level and then um, just circumstances of the entire year is just, you know, it's bound to drop your percentage. Yeah. And, and, and while I gave those numbers, like the actual difference per game mm-hmm. still, like I said, it's actually the same number of made threes per game. That didn't change at all. It's still 2.1 from yeah. last season to this season. It it's more. just he took and, and what that averages out per game, Ethan, mm-hmm. is it was he was two for five last year and two for six this year. You know, yeah. he averaged six attempts, which when you factor in with what you just said, not just even what I was talking about, but like how much we were playing from behind, you know, yeah. really, it's like, OK, that that actually kind of, you know, other people, the comments might be like, oh, it's still a concern. But yeah. when I think about that, I'm like, honestly, when you say that, I'm like, yeah, that's going to add in an extra three a game. You know yeah. what I mean? So really, that kind of mean like that at that point, it's like it almost didn't even change that much. Um, but I still do understand the concern. That's something that I want to see improved from him next season. I want to see him closer to that 40 percent mark. That's not me sitting here saying that his jump shot's perfect. Um, but, you know, really, other than that, Ethan, this was the other thing I wanted to touch on also earlier i felt like he defensively throughout the season he got better that's still i would say that you know getting the shooting back to where it was you know at the beginning of the season i mean mm-hmm. i don't know if it's always going to be like that but just better you know being more consistent throughout the year yeah. and then just continuing to to get better on defense because i saw that improvement there's still some areas where he can get better and i believe that in a live stream we did a while back ethan somebody in the comments might have said that he said publicly somewhere that, that, no, in his end of season press conference, this is what it was. He said defense, defense was one of the main things he wanted to focus on this season. And when you factor in all the offensive improvements yeah. that you mentioned, you know, when we first started talking about him, that makes sense. So, you know, getting that percentage back to, you know, a consistent base where we're not falling in and out this season um, and then defense. But you know, once again, the, the big asterisk with all of this, Ethan, is Wembenyama because, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what happens with him this season, like he's going to attract so much attention, which will give probably give Keldon a, a bunch more open shots. For sure. For sure. And the only thing I would also add to his improvement list is one or two dribble pull up jumpers. Yep. That's it. Off the dribble. Yeah, because like you said, we saw more of those. They didn't fall as much. If some of those can start falling. That would be that would really take. I feel like that would take his name game to the next level if he got an off the sure. triple game. How many? You have the stats in front of you still. Here, let me let me go back. I can pull them up. I was just curious, how many free throws a game did he get? Let me see here. Because he's one of the most aggressive players in the league as far as getting yeah. to, to the cup. It was kind of crazy because I didn't realize that NBA.com had like, dude, they have like some crazy stats. This is this is old, but um, like they have 
Like literally they have dribbles like before a shot. Like they have one wow. dribble, two dribble shots, closest defender, zero to two feet. You like you can see his percentage for like when when he's got a player within two feet of him. Like it's <laughs> it's there's a lot of different stuff here. Um, and then there's also like the shot clock range. I mean, and then wow. there's just like the straight up like the shot range as well. Like what was his percentage from, you know, 25 feet? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. and, and so on and so on. Um, so there was a lot of cool stuff I had, but you were asking about free throws, correct? Yes, because I was watching that one-on-one, Devin Vassell and George Gerben. Yeah. And George Gerben <laughs> was asking, how one. many, he goes, how, what are you averaging right now? And he was like, 20. He goes, how many free throws you got? He's like, like four. And he goes, Ugh. He's like, he's like, stop, man! You need to get to the live mo. Yeah, he's like, you're leaving five at the line. Because you could be averaging 25 easy. I I know, but he's right. He's he's right. Not wrong. He's not wrong. Okay, they didn't help me out there, but so I'm going to basketball reference. Um, Take your time, Jude. Okay, so his free throw attempts per game was the highest in his career this year at five five point two. Excellent. And he made he made four of them. Let's keep that going. Let's keep that going up. And, and let me see here. Yeah, so previously in his career, listen to this, it, it really didn't change much. It technically went up each season. It went from 2.6 to 2.8 to 3.1, but mm-hmm. this was this was the big jump. So, man, you know, Keldon, Keldon's got to tell George, he's got to be like, hey, Ice, I'm, I'm, look what I'm, you got you to gotta, you gotta tell me to, uh, <laughs> you got to tell Devin to get in the gym with me, man. I got to teach him all I know. Dude, I'm looking, that, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say that they're both, they both put on so much muscle and they're so yeah. like formidable as far as, you know, like I almost said specimen, but that sounds funny, but I'm excited to see them go up against Victor in practice. Yeah. Cause that'll be like the perfect, we're going to, pop's going to find out quick if Victor can take big bodies going Pro- into his chest. Like Eldon's probably, he's they're They're not going to like, they're not going to want to hurt him, but they're going to want to, oh, he's looking at his chops. They're going to, yeah, they're going to want to test him. They're yeah. just going to want to see. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But in the, in the one-on-one, you know, Devin's like ice. That's why I said that. So I was saying that, that Kelvin's got to, he's got to troll Devin. He's got to get, he's got to get Gervin to troll him about Kelvin being better than him. He should. He absolutely should. <laughs> I just feel like that would be funny. That would be some great, uh, that would be some good, like, um, H-E-B me- commercial. that'd be a good H-E-B commercial, but that would also be a, some great, um, what's the, you know the big screen in the middle of the I can't the jumbotron. jumbotron? It would yeah. be some good jumbotron content as well. Mm. They should hire us to do jumbotron they stuff. They should. They should hire us for a lot of things, Ethan. We're like the old men in the Muppet <laughs> show that watch from the perch. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we just criticize. Yeah, we just we just throw out we roast the other team the entire oh, time. Oh my gosh. Well, man, you know, honestly, like like I said at the beginning, it felt like this position was the most set. And I feel like this is probably the most positive we've been on a position so far. As much as like, you know, Devin and, and Malachi are, you know, we're very positive about them. But then at the yeah. end, you know, we had our segment on Romeo. God bless him. <laughs> but, you know, it was like this one. We could like be like, we God like all these guys. Him. They'll probably be back. God bless him. I love that. <laughs> I mean, he, I, he, I just, I feel bad for him because he's really not that bad. Like, that's what I Oh, mean. he's not. He's not. He's not. Third Anyways. string. Yeah. Third string two guard. He's, he's legit. Right. Right. Anyways, y'all, thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll be back with some more 
uh, position breakdowns. I almost said prospect profiles again, Ethan. We'll be back with some more position breakdowns. If you're wondering in the next two if Wembenyama will be in it, he probably won't because, once again, this is the off pre-draft, pre-offseason position breakdown. Obviously, we will still mention him you know, as being a big factor potentially at both of those positions in each video. But as of right now, you know, we'll focus on Sohan, Pe- Mamu, people like that. Uh, and, and of course, Zach Collins and Charles Bassey moving KBD, forward. don't forget my boy. And you can't forget about KBD. But anyways, y'all, don't forget <laughs> to like and subscribe if you enjoyed the content. And if you want to follow us on Twitter and stay up to date, at SSPN on YT, at Jude McLaren, and at Ethan underscore Quintero. We appreciate y'all. We'll catch y'all in the next one. See y'all later.